What is going on, guys? My name is Dimitri, and welcome to the Rise Protector Podcast. In today's episode, we have our first ever second time guest. He's a fitness YouTuber, guy who runs way too much. <laughs> Get ready for episode 21, uh, 21, 20, I don't know. It's a number. Get ready for whatever number this is of the Rise Protector Podcast with Vince Liu. What's up, Vince? What's up, Dimitri? How's it going? Uh, living the dream. Uh, you know, I, I ran more than this guy uh, for once in, in a couple of days because uh, he's crazy and his challenge is over, um, which we'll get into in this podcast, I'm sure. Um, my guy Vince, uh, for those of you that don't know, was in a previous podcast. I don't know what number it is. I'm not going to do the numbers. Nobody cares about the numbers. <laughs> um, he was in a previous podcast, I want to say like five, six weeks ago. Um, since then, we've kept in touch a lot and uh, it's been great to see how both of our channels have kind of changed since then. Um, not like content wise, but like, I don't know, like growth wise. I don't know. Mm. I, don't, I don't know what I was trying to say there, but you know, time goes on and things, things happen. Yeah. Yeah. We've, um, we've, we've run a little since then. We both passed 1k officially. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. At the time, I think you were about to. Yeah. I was or right around. Came out, you had, but I had said like, maybe you would. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But you're at like what 1.2 now oh god you know when this goes up it's gonna be in forever guys i'm ahead of the game on these podcasts i'm a level with you school's hard so i was like let me check actually i got notion up right in front of me this is supposed to go on the 9th of september so i think i think we're a little ahead of the game here <laughs> just just a tad do you um do you want to get into a little bit of about what your channel is about and uh what you are about as a person and such yeah so i have a youtube channel life with vince lou instagram same handle and i guess i'm a fitness youtuber when yeah. i when i first started my channel i was just like all right i know that i want to start a channel and i'll figure it out along the way and i knew fitness was a big part of my life so i was just like okay i'm going to document my journey and along the way i guessed I guess I turned into a fitness, quote unquote, fitness YouTuber and like motivational side of things. Though for me, it was more, hey, I'm just going to document my journey and put a bunch of fitness stuff up because that's what I'm all about. And so I started my channel January 2019, was on and off for a year, year and a half, and then got serious right around four months ago or so. Yeah, it's been a little okay. over four months now. I've been doing daily YouTube videos since March 16th. So that was my first, the, the streak started on March 16th, so. Yeah, that's too long. Don't, well, I don't know why you're doing that. Stop, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I know your it's, plan is to do it for a year at least. Yeah, it's that Gary Vee type of mindset. And, you know, I was, he really gave me the idea of doing daily videos and really putting in the time and effort in. And I was like, okay, let me give this one solid year, like a try, like really try for one solid year. And if I can come out with daily videos, that would keep me, you know, on track to quote unquote try. And it was really Gary V plus a little bit of a Gary Keller, if you've ever read the one thing. And the one thing is, what's the one thing that you can do so that everything else kind of falls in line? And I was like, okay, if I come out with one YouTube video a day, that'll spur growth, that'll spur, you know, consistency, learning, all that. And uh, since I've been doing it, I've learned a ton just in four months, you know, and a little bit about everything, editing, 
uh, angles, lighting, and everything just YouTube. And and kind of just going back to a little bit more about me and fitness, I, I was I started my fitness journey right around six or so years ago. And I need to make a video of how I got fat to fit, I guess. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, there's, I think people that come by me now or that meet me now, they think I've always been fit. And that's, you know, just because if you've met me in the past year or two years, uh, you'll always know like this Vince, but this wasn't really always the case. And I got fit right around six or so years ago. I finished college uh, a lot of burritos, a lot of drinking, and I was just overweight. And then picked up powerlifting, powerlifting, and that was kind of my cornerstone, my base for getting fit. Got fit, and then I n- never thought, honestly, that I would be much of a runner. I ran a little bit in high school, track and cross country, though I never thought that I would be like a serious runner. And so I picked up running right around a year ago or so, and it was really after I listened to David Goggins' Can't Hurt Me. And after I listened to that book, I was like, okay, I want to hit that pain cave, get out of it, and come out the other side stronger. So I ran my first marathon in July of last year, and it was okay. It wasn't that bad. I thought it was going to be way worse. So once I finished, I was like, oh, okay it's not that bad. And I, at that point, I thought the marathon was the kind of like that, that high point of running, right? If you can run a the marathon, pinnacle. the pinnacle, exactly. And once I ran, I was like, oh, that really wasn't that bad. And I was like, okay, let me People do... People over here are rolling in their, like they're, they're sitting in their chairs like, this guy just had a marathon. It's not a big deal. Continue. Yeah. Sorry, I just thought that was <laughs> Yeah. I, I mean, I, I felt a little bit of it at like mile 20 and... But I finished and I was like, oh, it really wasn't that bad. And then a couple of months later, I ran a 50 because eventually I wanted to run 100. And so I ran that 50 and I was like, okay, it was kind of bad, but not as bad as I wanted. And then I ran 100 and that was that was the hardest thing I've ever done. And I basically had to waddle the last 20 miles. And... Uh, <laughs> But for me, fitness and running. I don't know. I just imagined you waddling and I just lost it. I tried that. I literally had to hold my mouth and then it just came yeah. out. Sorry. That was entertaining. I, <laughs> I, I felt like a penguin. Seriously. Like I couldn't bend my knees and it was rough. And for me, fitness, this whole thing about fitness, because uh, I do jujitsu as well. I've been doing that for two years, powerlifting, running. And for me, fitness, it's, it's a lot more than physical and once i thought when i first started this fitness journey i was like oh i really want a six pack six pack to look good and then once i got a six pack i just realized it really wasn't doing me any good it was more like vanity right so i at that point i was like i don't really care about like having a six pack anymore or or anything like just so that i can look good so nowadays it's more about performance performance and also taking my mind to the next level so nowadays i'm looking for cool challenges like 100 milers like this like this challenge that i just did run uh the calendar club slash 500 miles in a day challenge in april i'm not in a day guys he, he oh, not in a day in a, in a month, month. 
Yeah, <laughs> that God. would be insane. <laughs> so yeah, the Calendar Club slash 500 miles in a month challenge. And then also in April, I did the run 10 miles a day for 30 days as well. So now it's just kind of building my life resume or like my fitness resume or whatever you want to call it. And really just taking my mind to that next level. Because for me, these fitness... I guess these challenges are, it's like an, an analogy for life. So if I can do this, if I can run 100 miles in, in one go or run 500 miles in a month, then a lot of those principles, you know, go into the other parts of my life. Yeah, I agree on that. I think uh, I think running really does that. Sorry, I was distracted for a moment. Um, I'm, I'm still in the burbs when I'm recording this, the suburbs of Chicago, and I heard a siren and I was just like, I'm not in the city. Morbid Chicago jokes. Um, <laughs> Sorry, heard a and heard a police siren. Um, anyone from Chicago knows what I'm talking about. Uh, so I agree with you on the mindset thing. I think a lot of people um, who have worked as hard as you have regarding uh, working out uh, understand that that pain cave has a level of fun to it. Um, if you yeah. really have the right mindset for it, I, I think for me, I have dug very deep when I'm running before and. Uh, Mm, uh, I gotta be careful about how I word this. I think a lot of people believe that their pain cave is them just kind of trying hard, but not like pain cave hard. Like, yeah. cause there is a difference. There's a huge, huge difference. difference. There's a huge difference. And that's what I realized when I ran uh, that hundred miler. Cause when I ran 50, I was like, Oh, I have to do this again. And at that point I was already crushed. Right. And at that point I was already walking a little bit of walking, a little bit of running and I was like, how am I going to get through this? But then you put one foot in front of the other and you're like, oh, I'm getting through this. And then 30 hours later, <laughs> I got through it, right? And you just have so much more in the tank. And that was another big point of David Goggins Can't Hurt Me was when we think we're at our limit, we are actually only at 40%. So you have another huh. 60% to go. And hmm. it's like, it's kind of true, right? You, you think things are just, I think for me before it was, oh, when things are getting hard, this is the the pinnacle of being hard. But in actuality, there's way more to go. You, you're just touching the surface. Right? Well, I am. I'm in a bad spot then because regarding like when I go back to school, I keep thinking to myself, oh, this is how much time I have. This is how much I could do. Oh, man, if there's 60% more in the in the tank, I could work a job. Yeah, work another. Oh man, oh, if I was David Goggins, he'd I'd be slapping myself with, uh, yeah. I guess, my thought process. Yeah. Dang, that's insane though. Sixty percent more. You know, it might just be a saying he's got for the average person. Maybe, maybe I'm higher than than I don't know what whatever he's going off of, but hopefully not. I think that it's more like a, a like a general thing for like as you said, the average person. I think if you're already used to being at that high level. And I think you're a high level, right? I mean, there's there's a lot less give. Like you probably don't have sixty percent. You probably have twenty to thirty percent. Versus yeah. it depend it depends on your level that you're currently at, your work ethic, and what you're already putting in. Because as an as someone who is like super serious about a certain topic, like running, or you know, if you're an athlete, if you're already used to pushing at your max capacity how can you push 60 more percent right so that's that kind of thing but also i will say this you did, is uh, i don't want to cut you off but you did an extremely good finagle for my for my yeah uh, that was <laughs> that, i uh, 
people who know me personally, that was what he just did was great. Because technically, I'm not saying anything I can't say right now. But that, thank you. Continue. I, I, <laughs> as I was speaking, I realized the words that were coming out of so my good. mouth, and then I was like, okay, how can I just that was me level bs man i do that all the time in the podcast that was great sorry yeah Yeah, when you are though but back to what you're saying when you are at that really high level it is hard to get to the next like kobe before on his unfortunate passing i mean the guy Mm. was 95 percent most likely yeah Yeah, that's crazy yeah exactly and yeah totally agree it's i think for with most people it's just they probably have 60 percent because i mean who I mean, I, I know a lot of people like, oh, let me go for a jog. It's like, oh, I only I went for a two a two mile run, and that was the most that I could ever do. And I was like, oh, I don't think so. I think two miles, and you're. I mean, it's not like you're sprinting the whole thing. I would be surprised, but I'm probably sure that if if your life depended on it, you can probably go for another fifteen miles, right? And yeah, at least. So yeah. it's just when things are getting tough, and you're not used to that little bit of uncomfort then you might say, ah, oh, this is this is way too hard. I can just walk. Because it's obviously if you take the easier route out, then it's, you know, but yeah. I feel that, man. I, I think even on my daily runs, right? So I was running with someone today. I did 10, 10 miles to be specific. Uh, I don't know. could have been 10K. I'm not European, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so 10 miles I did today. I was running with my buddy and we were doing like this loop, right? And the loop's like a 9.2 sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I don't really want to extend it. Let's just do the loop. And then we get to a stoplight and we stop for like two minutes. Have to wait for the cars to go by or whatever. And then we go past and we're like, ah, we get we, we, we should extend it. We should uh, do a little like roundabout here to make sure we get to the 10. And I was like, okay, see, that's a that's an example of like, we just didn't want to do 10 at that point during the run and i've experienced so many runs so many hard workouts um i think in a vlog i did people were like i did uh five by mile uh what was the splits 520 517 515 that's insane uh 512 509 and people are like what what how did you and i'm like well i've been doing it for a while I have leg speed apparently. I don't know. Maybe just a little. Uh, and uh, I just mentally get through it a lot better than me than maybe than some other people. Uh, I think maybe when I started running, I just said um, people around me are running like seven thirty minute or seven thirty mile pace uh, when I'm running, and then I was like, that is the slowest that I can run when I'm easy running. And then since then, I don't, I don't really run slower than that. It's usually quicker. Yeah, you know, something that I've been thinking about because your type of running, the shorter distances with the mile or even like the 5K versus a marathon or, or ultra is the the different type of pain that I can endure is different than yours. And it's basically switched because you, you can run a 520 mile and you rather just, all right, one mile, let's go hard and you're for me, I would be dying, right? So even when I run like a six minute mile, I'm like heaving, I'm like, I feel like I'm gonna pass out. Whereas for me, Mm. I really wanna get to that different type of pain of, okay, it takes me 50 miles, it takes me 50 miles to get to the type of pain that I want, a more of like a searing cut in the knees and I can barely walk and why am I doing this? And I know I have to be out there for another 
12 hours, right? Yeah, that's that's, a, that's a different type of pain than, okay, let's go all out for a mile. And like I've done like mile time trials or even 5K and I was like, those are way worse than a 10 mile or even a 15 mile run. For me, I'd rather go on that 15 mile run because then like my thoughts are there and then I feel like it's still a hard run, but it's, it's, it's like two different t- type of styles of suffering. Yeah, uh, there's the anaerobic component, which is awful. Anaerobic is awful. I think yeah. a mile, if you run it all out, it's about 80% aerobic, 20% anaerobic. And uh, the 20% is the painful part. Yeah. 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 I think I think 400-meter um, dash for sprinting is like the first part where it's actually painful. Um, everything, everything earlier than that, not to be rude to sprinters, but it doesn't hurt. Don't don't hate me for that. Uh, but it, it's just not painful. I mean, they'll probably admit it too. That's why nobody wants to run the 400 when they are doing that in high school and stuff. Uh, but yeah, no, the anaerobic component of running like shorter races hard. I mean, the lungs burn. You kind of lose consciousness in a way. Um, if you're properly running hard, you 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 just you're not aware of your surroundings sometimes uh, when you're going that pace if you're like running if if anyone's ever been in a situation where they're like having a nice pr race and it's a 5k mile 800 i don't know even an 8k uh like for other races they i don't know they lose their they, they just lose all cognitive ability towards the end you're just grinding you're just i mean it's not the same as you because the legs aren't giving out it's you know, you're lacking oxygen going to the brain, you're lacking oxygen going to the lungs and the rest of your body. You're just literally tearing apart your tendons and the muscle fibers and stuff way too much. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I like way more than that than than what you just said. Cause I mean, there's only one time when I ran so hard I threw up and I was like, mm. this is this is terrible. And it was I think it was my last race when I was in high school, it was a three hundred meter hurdles. And I just ran it full out because this is my last race. And I was like, all right, let me let me go all out. And uh, my coach was yelling at me like, go, go, go. And I threw up afterwards and I was like, and I was dying. And uh, this is terrible. I'm glad this is my last race. <laughs> uh, the 400 hurdles is an awful event it's from what I've heard. It's just, uh, it's, it's called the man killer event. That's the joke. Yeah, I bet. It's just painful. Um. I don't know why, but you know, it's probably because I got a bum knee. That's probably I don't like running too much. I got a bum knee. Ever tell you about that? No. Yeah, I get a bum knee. Is that yeah, from just run all the time? Years oh, of no, running? I, or is it... No, uh, I got a bum knee because of baseball in eighth grade. Um, my cleat got stuck on the ground uh, when I was taking a swing, and, and it was like practice. It wasn't even during a game. My cleat got stuck on the ground. And I followed through very hard, you know, like the twisting full force motion. My knee went forward, but my foot stayed planted. And it just, it hasn't been right since. Dang. But that was ninth grade, but then you made it all the way through. It was in eighth grade. Yeah, it was in eighth grade, grade, right? It was in eighth grade. I've had a bum knee for eight years now. Yeah. Yeah, because I was was, was 14, I guess. Yeah, that was funny. But but you're still running 517s and 520s for mile repeats. when I go quicker, uh, it hurts more. Um, there's this kind of weird point with the knee. Uh, over the years, I've determined if I run sprints all the time, it hurts. If I run an average amount of workouts and like 30 to 40 miles, it's pretty okay. If 
I run above 45 miles with a bunch of intense workouts, it's awful. Like if it, if it's like 60 miles plus, and I'm doing hard workouts, it's straight up just a, it's a waste of uh, human body part. It's awful. I, I hate it. It's, it, it's been a thing for a while. Um, so definitely when I'm older, I'm probably gonna, probably gonna cut back, probably just run 30. I, I've always made the joke that, uh, I'll be just that dude running like 25, 30 miles a week lifting just the, the, in sh I'll just be the in shape dude. I'll, I'll be killing local five K's just out there just yeah. winning shoes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the goal. No reason to run 60 miles if you don't need to. Right. Yeah, like, I know. It, it's it's, it's just, a lot. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun for now. Yeah, I'm just I'm young enough to where it's manageable. The rest of my body holds up okay. I've also broken both of the sides of my hips. Yeah. Whoa, that is. Tell you about that? Yeah, no, this is stupid. This is straight up stupid. Um, so they're called avulsion fractures. I guess this is a way to talk about it. I was planning on doing a video about it, but eh, it's kind of a weird thing to talk about. Um, just for some video. So the my freshman year of high school, I grew about five inches from eighth grade. Okay, Whoa. so first, first I got a bum knee. So I got I got the bum knee that it, it's kind of weird. The trajectory of the knee pain did one of these. It was like up here, and then it like slowly declined, and then it's like back to the middle of where it was. Hopefully, it does one of those again. Uh, but basically, got the bum knee. Dealing with that, running high school, living the dream, and then uh, basically I did a sprint too quick and. Uh, and I was like not really stretching enough and my hip flexor twitched very hard and tore off part of the bone from my hip. Yes. Dang. So it fractured my hip. I went to the doctor. I was like, why does my hip hurt so much? He's like, you broke your hip, man. I'm like, yeah. oh, <laughs> that's why. You ran so fast. You broke your hip. That is insane. That's the funny. No, it was. It, so basically when you grow a bunch your bones don't have the same, you know, strength in them, right? I see. So it was a matter of it was a weak bone. I'm I have a, apparently I'm high quick twitch fiber as a person and when I when I had the quick twitch happen, just tore it off. And then sophomore year the uh, exact same thing happened on the left side. Dang. So Dang. they say though, since that happened, the chances of it happening again, knock on wood, I don't know where there's wood, but I'll find it. I'll use my knee because it's not an object. It's an object. It's not a part of my body. Uh, once that happens, it grows back stronger. So, you know, I got bone. I got uh, hips of steel. I got it out of the way. There you go. I don't have to get the surgery when I'm 70, you know. I don't have to get the replacement because, yeah. So it's, good that you, so it's good that you broke your hip so that you have stronger hips. Exactly. The go. joke the joke forever was like people were like well by the way i'd never broken a bone before like I, I was very i mean i did fall a lot when i was a kid so it was surprising but like i'd never broken anything mm -hmm. so then i i had two i had broken or fractured my hips twice by the age of 16. yeah that's, that's insane conceptually yeah. that just makes no sense does not sound fun at all. I, I sprained my finger, and that's the worst injury that I've gotten. I can barely handle that. What? <laughs> you lucky? Yeah. Lucky? <laughs> had all sorts of things. Had Achilles tendonitis last for like six months. My Achilles crack. Like a knuckle. Dang. I don't think that's supposed to happen, but it's like a fluid thing. I don't know. 
doctors are like, really? That's kind of weird. I'm like, ah, whatever. Um, don't, if you guys think that you shouldn't run based on all of what I just said, I'm, <laughs> I'm a special case. I just want to let that be known because that was, that was not exactly very encouraging for those who want to yeah. run. Yeah. Here's, yeah. here's me with no running injuries and here's you with all these running injuries but you're way faster than I am. And so just run slow and you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. no, honestly though, guys, just run at a comfortable pace where you can yeah. have conversations and you will have a really good time running. Uh, it's, it's definitely beneficial. The studies have shown, you know, regarding the knee pain, like the reason I get this thing with my knee is because there's gotta be something wrong with the cartilage I messed up a while ago or the meniscus, I don't know. There's something wrong with it. I just haven't gotten fixed. Uh, and when you run, upwards of close to like 30 to 40 miles a week that's not considered excessive uh and before that you're breaking up cartilage in your knees which is good i don't know if you've heard but like breaking up cartilage yeah. in your knees is good but then post more like when you get into the level of people who are professionals and stuff like that people who do really high level training you will have knee pain because you do it too much and you you overkill the breaking up of the cartilage yeah that's, yeah, that's how that works. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever had any knee. You have had you had knee pain during the five hundred in the month, right? Yeah, I definitely had knee pains, especially the last I don't know five six days. But I I I curbed the pain a lot by just pure icing. And the the first day I iced, I was like, oh, I feel way better. And then so I was icing two or three times a day just because the next day I would feel so much better. And I think it was obviously like the inflammation and just running so many miles. Cause that last week, that last seven days, you know, whatever that math is, is 170 something miles or something crazy like that. And it's just time on my feet of pounding and pounding and pounding. And so icing was my best friend. And really it was when I ran that 500 miles, and to, to give it a little bit of context, because I'm not sure if we went into this already. No, we didn't. Yeah, that was, this was my segue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so with the Calendar Club Challenge, I did it in the month of July. And what the Calendar Club Challenge entails is that a person run, walk, crawl, whatever you want, however you want to get the mileage in, the number of miles on the given day of the month. So July 1st, run one, July 31st, run 31, and then everything else in between. Right, so when I added up one through thirty-one, it was only four hundred ninety-six, and I was like, "Well, I'm so close to five hundred. I think five hundred sounds a little bit better. Like, all right, I ran five hundred miles in a month, right? Instead of four ninety-six, and so with that being said, as well, I've had a few people ask, "Oh, why didn't you just do it on a thirty-day month or a twenty-nine-day month?" And I was like, "Well, the point of me doing this challenge is not." to say, it, for me, it was more, I want it to be the hardest month ever, right? So I had to choose a 31-day month because I could have chose a 30-day month, but it would have been a little bit easier and also I wouldn't have hit that 500. So that's why I decided to choose July. And I was originally inspired by Jesse Itzler. Jesse Itzler is an author, he's an entrepreneur. He invent, uh, He was CEO of Zico Water, I think he sold that already. And he had like a jet company, he's part owner of the Atlanta Hawks. And he wrote a book, Living with a Seal, in which David Goggins lived with him for, I think, 30 days or something like that. 
And so he set up this challenge because he's he's also an ultra runner as well, where he ran the, the this calendar club challenge, but he did it in February. And so he this year he ran it was up to twenty nine days, and I was like, all right, let me. This is like a cool challenge that I want to do, and so I decided to do it. And yeah, the first I was looking back at the videos, and even up to day fourteen, I was like, oh, this is great. This is this is fine. I'm I'm totally fine right now, and I feel great. I'm sure the hard days are coming. I I said that exactly on day thirteen. I think day 13, yeah, I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure the hard days are coming, but so far, so good. And sure enough, they came. And up until, I think, day 17, I ran all the runs straight through. So no walking whatsoever. And but Except for day 16, I broke it up into two runs because I was busy that day. But then day 18, I broke it up into however many runs it took me. So I think on day 18, I broke it up into two runs and then moving forward until the end of the month, I broke it up into two, three, four runs, however many runs it took me to get there. And at, up until day 20 as well, all the way through day 20, I, I ran. So no, absolutely zero walking. And then it was around day 18, day 19, day 20, where my knees were, were just like, oh, this is terrible. And m my muscles were fine because I'm, I'm not running very fast. I'm going at uh, an average of a 10 minute mile pace, a little less, like nine, 930, 930, 930 to 10 minute mile pace. I was like, okay, I'm not going that fast. Uh, so my knees were feeling it. And then that's when I decided to ice. And at that point I was like, wow, I feel so much better. Why didn't I ice way oh, before this? Bad. Yeah, I was, I was like, okay, if I were to do this again, I would definitely ice a lot sooner. Plus. To me, when I did this challenge, it was more of finishing the mileage and not necessarily the time. And so when I, the first 20 days or so, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna, I wanna run through it because I wanna keep my splits as low as possible, right? Or like mm -hmm. within a reasonable amount. But after day 20, I was like, you know what? Forget about this. I'm just going to- I'm just doing it. Yeah, I'm just doing it. And I just wanna get the mileage in. And so at that point, from day 21 to 25, I did, seven three strategy so run for seven minutes walk for three and even with the seven three strategy i was still averaging like 10 30 10 30 10 45 per mile yeah, and and then on day 26 i was like okay seven three it's still kind of it's still kind of making my knees inflamed or you know i still feel it in my joints so i'm going to go six four so i ran for six walked for four and then i continued that until the end of the month until i was done uh, on day 31 and then on day 31 like so I iced all the way up until like all the way day 29 I iced and then day 30 I was just so busy that day I didn't ice but then day 31 I had 31 miles to run but my knees still weren't feeling it all that much I was like okay I'm just and then on that day I did an 18 mile run and then a 13 mile run so to make 31 and then once I got done I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not gonna ice because I'm done with the run, you know, because uh, I just want to celebrate, watch the Umbrella Academy season two, and I didn't ice that day. And then the next two days, I felt it, I felt so bad on my knees, and I couldn't sleep. I'm not sure if you've ever gotten this, but I, I actually remember now when I ran that 50 and 100 miler. It's just 
obviously just from the constant impact and so much stress on my knees and my body that I was just tossing and turning, tossing and turning and I couldn't mm. sleep and I can feel, and it's just my knees, like my muscles are fine, my legs are fine, my calves are fine, everything around my legs, but it was just my knees and I just could not uh, like sleep. And my cat was laying on on my feet and I thought he like touched me, where, but then it was a spasm as I was sleeping and my girlfriend was next to me yeah. and I kind of like accidentally kicked him because I thought he touched me, but it was like just my legs spasming out because like I couldn't sleep. And oh, wow. it was just achy, achy. And, but now it's, you know, like four days after, I'm totally fine now. But And you know, people so. struggle post-marathon, huh? Yeah. <laughs> 31 in a day after 469. Yeah. Jeez, that's rough. And I That's think one cool. of the hardest parts about that challenge was just the sheer amount of time that you're out there, right? Uh-huh. I mean, you're out there for, I mean, at when, when I was in the 6-4 strategy, I was averaging 11, 11, 30 miles to 12-minute miles. And how, how many is that? Like six hours, six, seven hours of running just for the, those last few days, plus all the other days prior to that. And it was just the sheer amount of time that I was out there and it's like, oh, I have three more hours or I have six hours to run today. And it, I did this in my recap video, but I, I would probably rank this in terms of difficulty one notch lower than a, the 100 mile run that I did. The 100 mile run, yes, it was faster, it was quicker. It was I did it in about 30, 30 hours. But it was the acute pain was real. I, I could not bend my mm. knees. I could. I had to waddle. I had to wrap my my knees in uh, with a bandage, like just so that I could. It felt like my legs were gonna fall off. And uh, like in terms of that, I think the hundred mile was definitely worse. But this was a different type of heart. Of oh, I have how many more miles to run, right? Because then I think I hit the halfway point to 200 a little over 250 miles on day 22 but then you're like okay i only have eight more days to go but it's like well eight more days and 250 miles to go so yeah that's, that means the last week though you were at like 220 or two mid 220s for your mileage yeah it was it was a lot and I, I think looking back on it it's i think what really saved me was just my years of powerlifting. Not necessarily even running. I think my years of powerlifting, it really helped build my leg strength up because I've only been running for a year or so, like seriously running for a year or so. And even, so my first marathon was in July, but I didn't start to put in serious mileage. Like, and by serious mileage, I mean 40 to 50 miles per week, which is not even serious, right? And and so... I've only been putting in 40, 50 miles a week for six, six plus months ish. And yeah, it's just my, I, I feel like my body was on the, on the cusp of being able to handle it and, and not being able to handle it because I think for, and by no means am I, am I saying, Oh, I'm a super special athlete or like I, you know, like, you know, if, if I, if, I can't do it, then you can't do it. Or I'm not, that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is you have to make sure that your body is ready because yeah. It, yeah, it, yeah. For, for someone who's been doing for like, let's say, oh, I've been running for two years. Like, well, 
you have to you might be running longer than me but i've also had six years of powerlifting that's been able to build my to build my uh fitness base so i think that's one thing because i've i've also also had a few people ask me especially the youtube community like oh hey i want to give this this challenge a try right and for, for me it's like okay i i'm i'm all about the challenges and everything like that but just know what you're getting yourself into because if if you can't run if five miles a day for seven days so 35 miles per week is difficult for you already then this is going to be terrible it's like you it's probably advised that you don't attempt this and actually I don't recommend this challenge to most people, right? But mm. if like if, if you want to do it, that's your own decision. I'm not saying, hey, you should do this challenge. It's more of know what you're getting yourself into. But for me, I I also believed in my fitness level of, and also I'm very in tune with my body. So I know when to back off. I know when to, okay, I got to do the 7-3 strategy now. I got to do the 6-4 strategy now. I, I got to walk this or... And and luckily for me, I didn't really feel too much acute pain. There there were there were a few runs where it's like, oh, my right hip for a few miles. Oh, my left hip. Oh, my right knee. But they always went away within within the next day. You know, you would just run locally, right? You wouldn't run on like soft surfaces and preserves, would you? For the first 15 days or so, so I have, I live right behind a lake slash park by my house. It's a 1.4 mile loop. It's mainly gravel. With, oh, thank with, God. W- yeah, with zero to no elevation. Oh, like, God, ab- absolutely goodness. zero. And, or there's just one big hill, but I always avoid it because it's a big hill. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, but I live, you know, in a pretty safe neighborhood and there's streets and main streets that I can run around. For the first 15 days, I would run like, you know, a couple miles around the loop and then go out to explore the city a little bit. But then I realized, okay, I'm running on pavement. It's probably a lot worse for my joints than if I were to run mm-hmm. on gravel. So exactly. So that's when I switched. I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this 1.4 mile loop a bunch of times and until I'm done. And yeah, it really, I think that's what really helped save my, my knees as well, because just the impact of you know on the gravel right i mean you could probably talk a lot more about this of how that affects your joints and yeah i i definitely think so with the knee with the bum knee uh running on soft surfaces is key um when i run in chicago uh that's hard to come by so you gotta kind of find areas that have it because if you don't it hurts a lot more um yeah, when you the longer you run, the more you'll notice that you need soft surfaces. Uh, I'd say early on, I didn't care. I actually probably preferred concrete because it had it was easier to run on because <laughs> there's better energy return on a hard surface. But then when you're doing easy runs, you realize like, well, I don't really think that matters as much. I can run faster now on probably soft surfaces because I'm like not apprehensive towards the pain that'll come because that doesn't happen. And I also have this weird thing where my feet catch on like they feel like they're on fire. Um, I have a really bad feet burn, Um, foot burn, whatever. Uh, It's like bad blistering when I run uh, probably around 540 pace or quicker. Um, for a sustained period of time like it's hit or miss but like if i run really fast 
it's awful. Like if I run, it's uh the cutoff is if I run a thousand meters or more uh, with it, probably I'd say twelve hundred. If I run more than twelve hundred meters at a fast pace on it, I will get a blister. Like unless I um, pre-bandage my feet, put like a bunch of stuff on it, and I really you know it's hard to want to do that every day. Um, what else? I I'd say. A key for me is I literally will like if I'm trying to like the workout I did with the mile, the mile repeats. Like I didn't just I didn't go out on a on a track and do that. Uh, I did that in my neighborhood and ran on and off between grass because so I wouldn't my my feet wouldn't burn. Yeah, that's yeah, stupid. I hate that, but that's that's what happens. Some people have issues like that. I just have bad blistering problems, which sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily for me, I haven't had too many blisters though what i do have is my toenail comes off my second toenail on my left foot always comes off and i actually asked my podiatrist friend or he's studying to be a podiatrist right now i was like because the first time it came off i mean it was the first time it came off but since the first time it came off it's come off four or five times oh my god and it's actually it's it's not as painful as you would think it's just because he said well once up the, your toe is used to trauma it's just more susceptible to that trauma and mm-hmm. it, it'll come in and out so and i can feel it too and that's how i know that i'm putting in too much mileage just because it'll start with it, you, my toe will just feel like like very tender right like 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 a bruise a hematoma underneath obviously that's yeah. what it is and then uh yeah, so I think it just comes with the territory for me, and it's just one of those things. But and I've kind of just accepted it. Like, okay, like I'm just gonna have a bum toenail on my left foot for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think uh, you gotta listen to your body at a certain point, and it's funny how we have markers for when we know uh, mileage is too much. Mine's my knee, yours is your toe. Everyone's got their own thing. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it just goes back to, as you said, like listening to your body. On a normal week, by no means would I do this to this type of mileage, right? It's only for a short amount of time, and it's just to get the the challenge over with. But like it, like overtraining is a real thing, and I think I I felt that. You know, normally if I feel overtrained, I'll take you know a couple of days off, and I'll know because it'll feel like I've been hit by a truck. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's when I know I need to scale back and. But at that point, when I was, I mean, I was already, I was already overtrained by like day 20 and you're like, oh, I'm tired. Yeah, I, I bet. Naps. Yeah. There was no reason for you to be running that much. I'm a, yeah. I'm a fan of running, but man, I, I will say this, you know, we were, we were texting back and forth about it. This is a good segue to a topic we planned on talking about later, but food's good. Uh, let's talk about that now. Uh, my <clears throat> thing is, you know, I was texting, you were texting, or I watched one of your videos and I texted him. I was like, Vince, you look dead. Like you just look, you look bad. Are you eating enough carbs? I think I think your glycogen's all kind of out of whack because the glycogen stores will really just deplete if you don't um, give it a break running wise. That's why in an ideal training plan you have like a four to five week on, one week off uh, regarding mm-hmm. um, mileage. So let's say you're running very. Uh, let's make it easy. Uh, do a progression of 40, 45, 50. 55 60 60 and then you drop down to 40 the 40 is to get your glycogen stores back because uh because you you just wiped out most of your glycogen if you don't excessively eat carbs which is not always a great thing so i texted him i was like 
man, you you got you got to figure out something what to do with your eating. You got to have a lot of fats, a lot of a lot of carbs because this is going to be bad if you don't. Yeah, I mean, with my diet going in, first off, I'm a vegetarian, so mm-hmm. I do have to include that in just because, uh, you know, it's it's a little bit harder to get in. Like obviously, if you eat meat, it's a lot easier to get in protein one, but uh, meat also is uh, super high in calories too, generally, right? So Yeah, in comparison uh, to vegetables and fruit, yeah. Exactly. So, and then I also, another note is that I, I religious, religiously track all my macros. So on a normal day, oh. I'll, I'll know, I know exactly what's going into my body. And up until I think mid-month, day 15, I had been tracking my macros because I also know that for me, if I run five miles in a day, then I'll need to consume 2,700 calories in order to maintain my weight. So, and, and then so anything after five, I just add an additional 100 calories. So on day six, I would eat 28. On day seven, I would eat 29, so on and so forth. Right? And that, that was kind of my method. And that worked up to a point. But then once I got into you know, 37, 38, 4,000 calories, I was like, Oh, it's, it's, it's just a headache it's to track all that, right? Yeah, it's a lot of food. And I think mid-month, I switched to intuitive eating. I was like, okay, like, I really don't want to track all this because it's it's just a headache and I'm just I'm just going to eat, right? And uh, I, ha- I really had to turn to calorie-dense food. So, like, you saw, like, donuts. I was eating, like, two or three donuts a day. I was eating a cheesecake straight from the pan just because mm-hmm. I was I was going to eat half of it. There's no, there's no point in slicing it up because I was just going to eat half of it. And I had to turn to those types of, of food or even, like, soda just to make sure that I got in enough calories. Um, but also, at this point as well, because I wasn't tracking my macros, I was also afraid that well, if I'm not, if I'm not tracking, then I could severely be under eating, and if I under eat, I'm gonna feel it the next day. And for a couple of days, or there were a few days in the month where I did under eat, and I woke up the next day and I was like a pound lighter, and I was like, oh, I really feel it. So I got to make sure that I get in enough calories in the day. So for me, my goal was to maintain my weight throughout this challenge. So when I before I went to bed, I would weigh myself. And when I started this challenge, I was about 134, 133, 134. Uh, but at night, when I weigh myself, I know that I'm two pounds less in the morning than I am at night. So mm-hmm. if I weigh 136, 137 in the morning, I'll weigh 134, 135. And that's exactly what I wanted. And so that was my how I would track it. Because since I'm not tracking my macros, that was the next best option to make sure yeah. that I got enough food. But there, there were a lot of those days where I would, I, it would be night. It's like 9 p.m. and I weigh myself and I weigh 134. I'm like, oh, I I have to eat two pounds worth of food or Hmm. however, however many, however much food it is to get me up to two pounds. Because I know if I don't, I'll wake up even more crushed the next day. Right. So that was kind of like my method in terms of like my approach to eating in terms of this diet. And also I had to make sure that I got in enough fruits. Fruits for me are super important because if I don't get enough fruits, my body won't, like I'll break out in my face right here and then I just won't recover as fast. So it's it was kind of a balancing act because yes, I have to get in the calories, but I also have to get in enough fruit and vegetables in order to optimize my recovery as well. 
because I also didn't want to break out. I also didn't want to like, you know, I just wanted to feel better. Right. But at, at some point it's just like, I'm, I'm eating like these bags of Hershey's kisses and I'm eating like 30 <laughs> a day. So that's ridiculous, man. I think, uh, yeah, you doing the weight thing was probably the easiest way to go about it. But, um, speaking of food, my man, I made a video on OMAD. What are, what are your, mm. what are your thoughts on OMAD? I think OMAD, by the way, sorry, one meal. It's, it's called one meal a day more specifically. I think OMAD is great. I think any type of diet is fine. I don't think it's one type of way of eating is an end all be all OMAD, intermittent fasting, keto, Atkins, whatever it is. I think when I look at a way of eating, it's just, it's one tool in your tool belt that you can use in order to, you know, uh, work with your exercise program to get you whatever results that you want. I mean, some people swear by OMAD because of the atrophy of whatever science behind it. But all, but at the same time, I think for me personally, my personal opinion is one of the most important, I think, aspects about a diet is is adherence, right? I mean, if 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 OMAD makes you stick to your diet, then and adhere to your diet, then you can use that as a tool but for me personally it's not sustainable right so if i can't do it in for a lot like the rest of my life i generally don't want to do it and and that's the issue with a lot of these diets because a lot of these fad diets are like oh i'm i'm doing keto and people swear by keto but till they don't and then they're done with it yeah, and then they're done with it, and then, and then what happens then? But if you're like a keto, like understand the science, understand the what it does to your body, I think there's more, it's like, okay, you understand what's going on, whereas someone does keto, but they don't know, understand the reasons why, but they're like, oh, well, I'm losing weight. It's like, yeah, you're losing weight because what are you throwing out? Carbs, and what are carbs? Calories, and you want to lose weight? Okay, if you throw out a whole food group, you're going to lose weight because you are eating less calories. So it's more like calories in, calories out versus that, at that point but all in all like because i've done intermittent fasting as well i i didn't do omad i did more of like a 20 20 to 4 and but that was for me but it was a mix between intermittent fasting and tracking my macros because i track my macros and i intermittent fast but it, all in all in terms of weight loss it wouldn't have mattered because i tracked all my macros so i knew exactly what was going into my body given in a given 24 hour time period but the reason why i did a intermittent fasting was because i was cutting dieting trying to lose weight you know a few years ago so that i can get shredded so that was good because i would personally rather have a couple big meals than one or two like like, like seven small meals you know and that's what like my like that's why i personally did like that intermittent fasting though I think people can just get caught up into, okay, OMAD is the life and that's that's the only way that you're going to lose weight or it's, it's it's better than X, Y, and Z. It's not necessarily better. I don't think one style is better, right? I mean, what, what do you think? What, what are your thoughts? Here's my thing. How could you have done OMAD this past month? Yeah, exactly. It's limiting. It, that's my problem with it. It's limiting. Uh, and I know people are probably like, well, having a strict diet is limiting. Yeah, I get that, but like time's a thing. I'm a big time management guy, right? I'm a big mental health guy, right? 
I don't know if there's much mental benefits to limiting it to one hour a day because let me come at it from a mental health standpoint. You are conditioning people to binge eat if you're preaching OMAD. Yeah. Conceptually, is that a good thing? No, because what happens yeah. if they stop? Then they, they binge eat and then they snack. after. That, that's literally just going to make people gain weight if they stop doing OMAD, in my opinion. Now, it is for some people. I made a video titled Why It's Not For Everyone to leave it open-ended enough to where people don't understand it is for some people. But, like, it's concerning because if you're doing it to lose weight, what about the people who then are, like, all those people who are on keto? Because, I mean, I'll be honest. I know people have done keto and then they get off it and they gain all the weight back because... And then their body's kind of messed up a little because of the way ketosis works. Um, and it takes a while for them to adjust back to normal eating style. And I'm just like mildly concerned. Um, now, there are people who are in shape that can do it. I think there are people who, if they do it their whole life, it'll be fine. I just also think from a mental health standpoint, you're making a person suffer for 23 hours. Now, if it's for religious reasons or something like that, I get it. You know, like Ramadan, you're not allowed to eat from sunup to sundown. I get it. It's for religious reasons. I'm religious. I love Jesus. I think fasting is good in the in the in the Christian community. But when you're doing it just for like, what are you doing it for? Is my question. If you're doing yes. it for like being in shape, if you're doing it for the physical benefits, hey, I tell you what, I know plenty of people who have been absolutely ripped without doing OMAD. So it doesn't mean you need to. And you might be saying, oh well, they could be better. You gonna tell these professional Olympic weightlifters that they're wrong? Because like, not to be to be blunt, I don't know any of them that are doing it. If they are doing it, then I'm wrong. If the world record holder in weightlifting and in distance running and in sprinting all have done OMAD, then I'm wrong. I'm dead wrong. But I'm guessing that's not the case. Yeah, I think OMAD for athletes are it's a terrible idea. I mean, uh, yeah, as I, you I said, it's. Do too. Like, cause okay, especially runners. Okay, I got I got to do two a days. Okay, where are you gonna get the energy before you're like? There's got if you do OMAD, then there's got to be one or maybe even both workouts where you're not getting the fuel needed to fuel your workout. So therefore, you can't perform as good or build muscles or whatever it is you're trying to do for your sport, right? So it's. Yeah, I think it's just one of those things in your tool belt. It's great if, if it makes you adhere to your diet, but as you said, it's more for why are you doing it, right? I mean, if it's if it's for, like, let's say medical reasons, like the doctor says, well, I think that this would be better for whatever you have, OMAD, because it does this, this, and this. Okay, okay, fine. I think mm -hmm. that's great. But if you're doing it for, oh, I want to lose weight, there are, in my opinion, there are way better ways to lose weight but then again it's one of those things if omad makes you adhere to your diet then yeah go for it but there are also way better ways than I, know, I just one hour just, yeah exactly it's it's just one of those things where to each their own but also like don't be what are those animals that like a, a lemur a lemming mm -hmm. a lemming don't a be lemming. a lemming yeah, don't be a lemming and just follow everyone else. You have to understand, have a basic knowledge of of how your body works physiologically. If you're doing it to lose weight, then 
for most people, 99% of people, calories in versus calories out. That's that's what you did. And OMAD helps with that, calories in versus calories out. But you have to ask yourself why. And I think people can get kind of like blinded. It's like, oh, this one person did OMAD and they got in shape. So I should try OMAD because yes. it, it'll get me in shape, right? And, and and I see that a lot, actually. It's people are doing like these these things that don't really make sense to me, but I mean, who am I to say? I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not, and they do like these like seven day water fasts. It's like, oh, I lost weight. It's like, yeah, you're gonna lose weight if you don't eat, obviously. <laughs> but it's why are you doing this fast, right? And even mm-hmm. is there a lot of like I personally don't know, but is there a lot of science to back up these fasts? And what what's better, three, four, five, six, seven days, one day? I don't know. But if you are just doing it because someone said. And I think that's where, you know, getting into a whole nother topic is making sure that you are getting your advice from credible source, right? Yeah, I, I agree right? with you on that. I think, you know, I'm not a health expert either. I'm not a, I'm just, I'm just speaking from a conceptual standpoint on a couple of these mm-hmm. things. And I think from what I've learned, being happy with the process is huge. So, you know, when people do things like intermittent fasting or OMAD, I remember uh, Matt Diavella did intermittent fasting, right, for 30 months. And he tried it for like 25 days and then said, I'm done, Zoe. Like, he, he just stopped the challenge early because he's like, I don't like it. I don't like the process. I feel bad when I go work out. And that's one of those things you got to figure out. I think that's why I'm doing these 30-day challenges. Um, I think doing something like OMAD, if you're really going to hate the process you will not be able to do it sustainably. Like when yeah. we talk about sustained doing things, if I didn't like running, I would not consistently do it. If I didn't, uh, that's why people don't go to the gym because who likes going to the gym and like just running on a treadmill or doing the machine weights? Most people don't. That's why you have such a problem with obesity in America because we get conditioned that we're bad at sports when we're in gym in high school and then we think our only options to work out are to go outside to run, to run on the treadmill, or to do weights. And they get intimidated by free weights so then they go into weight machines. And for some people, that's fine. Like Matt Diavella is clearly a guy who just does weight machines um, and runs on the treadmill sometimes. And it works for him. He's in great shape. But people don't understand from a mental health standpoint if you're not going to like the process of OMAD if you're going to be struggling for 20 hours of the day there's a huge fly how did you get in here sorry um there's it's in my basement how did it get in my basement we i see it on camera (laughs) we we closed the door explain (laughs) what the all right i almost swore um yeah so like most people don't like i think camp is about to cut out think mine yeah i think oh i already unclicked uh, it see, it's actually it's I'm a, not cutting that out a, then i'm not cutting that out then it's actually 30 it. minutes the canon m50 cuts out at 30 minutes because it said but then i just clicked it real fast i think either you you're were talking legend. or i was talking yeah you're a legend sorry um yeah so people don't like certain types of working out and then they or they don't like certain types of diets and then they think oh well the fad diets can work because they people said it. it's like you gotta enjoy it and i know People are like, well, I don't enjoy it at all, like dieting or whatever. You can find a balance of liking calories in, calories out, working out in some aspects. Like people who find rock climbing, this is very anecdotal data, but people who find rock climbing and do it for fun, they end up somehow getting in shape when they weren't before. It's an example of something that people didn't realize they could do to work out that they like. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I th- think it's just finding that that way that works for you. And that this goes for anything in life, right? Just not not just working out. I mean, working out and diet especially. But it's just you have to find what works for you. And I think we can all get caught up into seeing someone else do something. And I think it's good to try a few things out, right? Because I know, like for me, I'm just more of like a fitness lover in general. Like I love powerlifting, powerlifting. I love uh, running or not love running, but I, I, I do it more for the mental benefits. But I also like jujitsu. But I know some jujitsu guys they hate lifting, they hate running, so all they do is jiu-jitsu, but they do it very, very often. And it's just finding that right thing for you and uh, working, tailoring your diet and your fitness program or whatever it is to your liking. Right? Yeah, and I think people don't understand conceptually how the aspect, oh my God, the fly, how the... um. <laughs> you know, layout of the world was before. Um, I think most people understand that in previous generations, probably pre-17, mid-1700s and earlier, maybe even 1800s and earlier, the option to be sedentary in work was not a thing. You know, you worked on the farm or you worked in a physical middle-class merchant job or you were royalty and you didn't work out and you were the fat people. Um, not jabbing people who are fat. It was just a jab at royalty because, you know, like, that was bad. You know, people just, like, rolled people back in the day. You ever think about that? It's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> but we didn't have the option even, you know, a little while ago uh, to be sedentary when we worked. So we would be in shape or at least not out of shape because we always yeah. were on our feet, even if it was in a factory. We're always on our feet. Uh, we were always doing things in the field if we're someone who had a farm. Uh, and that's just that's just not the case anymore. You have the option to be so sedentary that that's why you see a lot of people more out of shape. Yeah. And I, this brings up, I mean, just a whole new million topics. But one of them is if you've ever been to another country or yeah. Japan, China, Korea, well, they have public transport systems and you have to walk to the bus you have to walk mm-hmm. to if you ever like for me when i was in china or in japan it from your house you got to walk to the train station but then it's like from each train station if you got to switch platforms or whatever you, sometimes you have to walk half a mile right and then it's 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 having those built into it's like a society's culture because like nowadays here it's in america if you don't have a car i mean how how do you get around right yeah, unless then, you're in a in a city that has good public transport like new york or chicago you exactly. are you're not in a spot to do that because you're in california and every big city in california's uh public transportation from what i have heard is just bad yeah exactly and that's why most people i mean i honestly i've taken a bus in the u.s less than five times less probably less than three times i've i rarely take a bus yeah i've never ever taken a bus i actually don't know even like how to i always get like okay do i bring change do i bring money is it uh-huh. do they take card i mean because i don't have like a, a pass or whatever right or whatever it is so i always get kind of confused i with the metro with the subway it's a little bit better because you can just buy the ticket but with a bus like i i've less than five times for sure and 
This and this, this also gets into the topic of okay, it's not just the sedentary lifestyle, but what about the the food culture, right? Oh, oh man, super our food culture sucks. Uh, yeah, supersize me, right? Supersize me, and then if you ever go to a Seven Eleven, it's sodas, it's mm. junk food, it's hot dogs, it's nachos. But if you go to a Seven Eleven in Asia, they have generally like rice balls and and like yeah. nutri- more nutritious meals, right? And it's and then that's like a double because then you, you eat this little hostess cake with 500 calories that's insane yeah exactly so it's like stack on stack and and makes it even worse now i might be wrong and if i'm wrong it's whatever it's like in our 10 minutes of the podcast i don't think people will notice um <laughs> is it 7-eleven a japanese company there's a lot in japan i know that for sure i th- I, th- I think because I remember White Hen used to be a thing, and I think Seven Eleven bought out the White Hens, and I think I think I heard this the other day from somebody. So I'm quoting someone, so I'm saving face here. But I believe Seven Eleven is not a not an American company. So if that's the case, let's go with that. If that's the case, then you're telling me the non-American company is just giving us the food that you know, like we want in our culture. So it's not even a matter of like it's American companies then. It's um, it's everyone because that's just the where um, I mean we got we love hot dogs here we love burgers we love soda, yeah all this stuff. Like we don't like salads we don't like, you know if rice balls or whatever and like it's just our food choices as well right because it's like that's why they stock Seven Eleven and baseball games with hot dogs and nachos and all that and it's, but it's it, so good, there's man. a lot it's a, yeah it's a lot of things so. <laughs> so good though yeah man i don't know i haven't had a hot dog in a long time obviously since i'm a vegetarian but uh you just made vegetarian hot about... dogs aren't that good oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you, you just made me think about baseball and parks and how the cubs are playing and i don't get to i don't get to go yeah that old thing that we're dealing with i, I just that sucks you how know? the cubs like, doing oh they're killing it man they're either set they're either seven and three or eight and two. I didn't watch the game last night. There were there were zero zero in the fifth, and I was like, "It's one of those games." Yeah, I think Giants not are like watch. five five and five or five and six right now. Yeah, who knows with the Giants? Every couple of years, uh, they decide to be World Series champions just out of the blue. Yeah, it's very <laughs> annoying. Yeah, the dynasty is real. We had it every other year. What? Uh, 10, 12, 12 uh, no, yeah. uh, it was odd years. Uh, odd no, years, it was, yeah. it, No, when the Cubs won, it was even 2016, years. so it was even years. It was even years. Yeah. So it was 2012, 14. No, 2010, 12, 14. 12, 14, yeah. Yeah. And you guys yeah. didn't win with Barry Bonds, which is still funny. Yeah. Like you guys <laughs> went to the World Series with Barry Bonds, a man who could not not hit a home run, and you lost. Yeah. It still doesn't make sense. Yeah. You're actually a baseball fan? Uh, I more so, I'm not like super into it as in, I know all the teams. Well, I obviously I know like all the teams, Mm -hmm. but like, I don't know every single player in every single team. Right. But it's more like, I just paid attention to the giants and I keep up with the roster and I'm a fan of the giants. But then it's like, when, like, I couldn't tell you like, like your whole lineup on the Cubs. That's okay. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just I'm more like a, but I've I've been watching it since I was a kid. You know, since uh, high school, uh, elementary school. So it's like oh, Giants, and then that's also my favorite color is orange. So it's like, uh, a Giants I fan. See, so. that makes sense. 
Yeah. Did you like Barry Bonds then when you were growing up? I did. I, I was Barry Bonds. I was that's the when I started watching Barry Bonds and JT Snow, Rob Nen, Benji Molina, and I was like, okay. So Well you're you're pretty thin now. Hope you hopefully you don't make the Barry Bonds transformation from thin to thick. Yeah. <laughs> that man was a guy who used to steal bases, by the way, guys. Yeah. 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 He He's got, a big he got large, guy. but not not a not in a overweight sort of way, in a uh, juicing sort of way. Yeah. <laughs> Although he he didn't juice whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's debatable. No, I'm just kidding. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. I don't think it's how he debated actually. <laughs> you you saw how he used it the baseball. That's not human. Yeah. But I mean, all those guys were doing it. Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa. Oh, I hated I mean, Mark McGuire, just, man. Just that that age, you know. Oh, that that was the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hated Mark McGuire as a Cubs yeah. fan. Uh, Cardinals guy could tell he was juicing the whole time. Granted, yeah. Sammy wasn't safe in the, you know, he did it. So. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Have you seen what happened to Sammy Sosa? No. He didn't look the same. Uh, he bleached his skin and has blue contacts now whoa yeah i'll look him up different. right after this yeah that's insane. look uh look at a before and after picture like on google little show side by side it's uh he's different yeah now. yeah doesn't look that's the same. insane it's weird <laughs> um not judging kind of judging anyways um that's enough about baseball i don't know why we got into that but go cubs if you're if if they're at this point in the season just i hope the season isn't canceled midway through because yeah. the cardinals just got found out uh that 13 of their staff slash players have it. yeah because yeah, it was, it was 12 two. we're moving the number up yeah because it I, well, the cardinals it was two and then it was three and then now it's 13 that's it's insane 13. It's, and i checked I think, two nights ago so that yeah. could be more it's it's the web effect man i mean and then they played who did they play a couple days before they got tested and it's a two-week period and i don't know i just i it's it's cool to see baseball back in, but I honestly I, I don't ha, like I would not be surprised if it was canceled. This is what's gonna happen. Hear me out. Hear me out. They're going to make it so teams are allowed to stop for whatever ten days it is to get them all yeah. healthy again. But in order to make the playoffs, you have to play forty five out of the sixty something games or forty out of the sixty games. Yeah. And it's based off of win percentage from there on out yeah they have to do that or else it's not yeah. gonna happen yeah it's gonna be one percentage because it's what do they say like two teams affect two teams being out like this affects 10 teams right i mean yeah. it's just so many just people the that the divisions work man yeah the cardinals if if we were playing them soon that would mess the cubs season up totally if you guys yeah. uh wouldn't play the you're in the rockies division i think they're doing well right now um if the Rockies just got it, uh, you guys would be done so uh, for a couple games. Yeah. If the Royals for some reason got it right now, then we would be done for a little bit because we're playing them. I don't know why yeah. we're playing the Royals. I think we're playing oh. the Rockies today, actually. Do you know why they're doing that? Because they have this uh, setup where they're they're made it regiony. You know, like we're only playing mm-hmm. teams in our area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To try to limit. That's right. That's right. They said that like East, West, Central, East. Right, yep, exactly, and uh, that's interesting. the The Cubs won because of that uh, extra inning rule. I don't know if you saw the new extra inning rule. It's funny. Yeah, the seventh, the uh, like if they have someone on second base. Dude, that's weird. Yeah, they're gonna make it a thing. 
hear me out. Yeah, they, they got they got to try to speed it up, right? Or they're saying my pitch if, to the MLB. Yeah. yeah, they have it on second. That's great and all. You should have it so the guys on first from the ninth to the twelfth inning. Eighty percent of games after the after the twelfth inning are completed statistically yeah. in baseball. Every single major league player says they hate extra inning games. Yeah. Make a shootout style thing with your best players after the yeah. 12th in some sort of home run hitting contest or like base hitting contest where like yeah. you try to see who gets the most hits out of three and then it keeps going into a sudden death just like hockey does it with um their shootout. Their, yeah. And then whoever loses in the 13th or the exhibition uh, shootout gets a point and then you make baseball a point system boom fix the whole thing there never you go. a long game again <laughs> boom fixed it you fix the mlb <laughs> yeah. oh because also there's never a situation in baseball where your best hitter is yeah. in the situation to win the game unless it's circumstantially yeah now in basketball or in football you can put the ball in the best player's hands yeah you put the ball in the bronze hands with 20 seconds to go that's your choice baseball yeah you have no control yeah so whatever the lineup is next or yeah, yeah. that'd be interesting just fix baseball just kidding the, the, baseball. the baseball people are very strict on things so anyways getting back into topics we're actually going to talk about because we've been tangency tangenty part of that reason is because we're like youtube friends now it's pretty funny um i uh I feel like I texted you, and then I didn't stop texting you after we yeah. uh, had the first podcast. It was funny. I don't know if anyone who's watching has experience with this, but make a YouTube friend. It's nice. Um, we we bounce ideas off each other a lot, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I don't know, because someone was asking me about this too, and it's like, well, how did you grow, or what's one of the best strategies to grow? It's like, honestly, if you, if you can find like a counterpart, right? So like whenever people ask me, it's like about you, cause they, they also know that we're, we, we do like collabs together, been in your mm -hmm. podcast. And I, I also tell people, yeah, I mean, I, I text Dimitri all the time, like whatever questions that I have. And I think it's yeah. known that, that we're within, you know, that we're friends and we text all the time. Uh, cause I was looking at our text the other day. I was like, oh, I've been texting him every single day and it's actually there i think there were like one or two days that we didn't text and i looked i was like oh it's because of your weird. calendar club challenge buddy that <laughs> oh was <your> yeah fault. <laughs> i was like point. i was like don't bother me i'm i'm running right now it's like i'm i won't i probably won't respond and but on, on a normal day we at least you know text throughout the day and it's just i think finding yourself a counterpart is 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 uh you know a good strategy but also it's Thinking about it, I think that I've I've been able to luck out to I found you and you, we work cohesively together. But also, like we're grinders. I like to think right. It's like hey, we yeah. have the same mm -hmm. type the same type of work ethic. Like what happens if let's say we're like okay, we start this relationship, but then I'm I don't text back or like I'm not as uh -huh. much of a grinder as you are. So it's like how do you? I think luck was on our side to where okay, we have. The same type of mentality work ethic we all obviously have differing opinions about a lot of things but we also have similar opinions about a lot of things and it's a little bit even like a friendly competition of okay uh like okay how many subs can we get or but also it's 
okay, what have you been doing so that you grow your channel? And then so we bounce ideas off of each other. So uh, I think it's a little bit of luck at the same time because especially when you're first starting out, right? And I think finding that other person um, of like within the same subscriber count too, because if, mm -hmm. if you, you approach someone that has, you know, a uh, hundred subscribers approaching someone that has 5,000 subscribers, it's like, well, they're not, they're not really, not that they're not on the same level or anything like that, but at, at a certain point, I think what, what happened with us was we were around the same subscriber account and then we we're growing at a similar rate. So it's like, okay, I see the work that you're putting in so that I know you're serious and I'm serious. So like, let's work together because we're also on the same trajectory of, of growing our channels. We have similar interests uh, and it all kind of worked out. Right. So mm -hmm. how do you find that other person? I don't know. I think it's a little bit of luck, but at the same time, it's very, very helpful. And as I told people, don't be afraid to reach out. And even if they're, you know, generally if someone reaches out to me and they have, it's like, oh, what did you do to grow your channel? I'll give them everything I have, right? I mean, generally too. So you never know who you can, next thing you know, you're like super good friends with, right? And yeah, bouncing I, ideas I, th off. I think you're totally right on that. Um, I think the big reason we go back and forth so much is because we both have the same like, we have pretty lofty goals on the platform and we both know that it's going to take a lot of work and we're not, we're not the two people sitting around going, um, dang, it'd be really nice if we had this as a full-time thing. We'd go, all right, let's make this a full-time thing. Let's, let's, let's put in as much work as possible and then it'll probably work out. Um, and I, and I think to your point about like, how do you find that, uh, person who could, you could really bounce ideas off of and talk to all the time. I think it was probably just because I reach out to so many people um, and I got lucky. It's probably because I mean, and then you did the same thing with the commenting, right? Yeah. So we both network a lot in, in a way on YouTube. Because I always say them, and I talked about it in my 1,000 subscriber Q&A, uh, the most important thing early on is probably getting in touch with your audience that is also a small subscriber uh gary v talked about it and that's where you had the epiphany and we both kind of <laughs> we should coin the the phrase the strategy um yeah you know how how we both grew so quickly was we're like all right other people are making great videos uh let's watch the video comment like support it and guess what they will probably do the same thing in return and it's it's a, obviously it's an understanding that they will probably get back to us and support us. And that's great. But we both understand how hard it was to grow without help from, um, the algorithm, you know, uh, when you start yeah. out, it's just not there and us helping each other, small YouTubers, I think is huge. I, like I mentioned, I run the videos the whole time and whether I watch all of it is relatively irrelevant, I guess, uh, because I, I try to watch enough to where. It's a respectable amount of time. It's a couple minutes. And then I, I give you a comment that is not going to look like I supported. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Come back and do it to me. No, I never ask for yeah. it in return. I always just say, Hey, you know, this was cool. I liked what you talk about with this stock. That is something I hadn't heard of before. It's going to help out a lot of people. And then I let it play because yep. that's what everyone needs. Watch time really helps the algorithm. And Early on, I had a bad habit of doing it on my phone, so I couldn't help people out as much. And Vince was the person that introduced the strategy to many people. And that kind of 
launch this mini community of people who comment way too much yeah um, that's a joke uh, but like in all seriousness we get way more engagement proportionally way. for our videos than our normal um videos do on youtube that don't do this yeah and yeah you, you hit a lot of points there and i think for because i've had the first my first 500 subscribers or no the first like 250 to 500 I wasn't doing the strategy of reaching out to small content creators and supporting them. Mm. I was just making videos and not necessarily hoping for the best, but pretty much. And I mean, you, you see slow growth, but I mean, you eventually grow. And but once you do the strategy, it really kickstarts that just like momentum. And uh, and then one of the things is. At first, and I think me and you both have learned to be adaptable and adjust as we go. Yeah. Because when we first started around, you know, 500 subscribers, 500 to 1,000, it was, okay, I'm not supporting as many people. I'm still supporting small content creators, but I've, I have I watch your videos maybe a little bit longer. I stay more engaged with their videos. But nowadays, we're getting to the point where it's, it's a lot of people, right? It's mm. a lot. And so I do the same thing as you do of... Okay, I watch a respectable amount. I watch a few minutes. I get the gist of the video. Uh, I and chapters, and that's another conversation. But yeah, that really helped, yeah. that really helps me. Of okay, do is there a shout out for me? Is there a shout out for someone else? Or it's like what kind of topic do I want to listen to with their video so I can choose? And I will watch their videos you know, three or four minutes and then let it play in the back so that they get that watch time, but they, they also get a comment. Usually when I comment, I try to comment something in regards to their videos, but also if it's if it's warrants it, then my personal experience, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think when, same thing, when, when your, your videos, when you came out with the OMAD video, I was like, I gave you like my personal experience. And for me, that's a lot easier than to try to look for something, dig for something in their video and rather than like, I'm just gonna give you my experience. So um, I think that's something that we've, we're adjusting and, and have always been adjusting, you know, with, mm. with like growing as well. I think uh, a little bit, cause we generally do the same thing as well, as far as, you know, we've been adjusting, but I think for me, the, it's not an issue, but it's just one of those things just because I make daily videos of, okay, daily videos means Co people commenting and it's a lot of comments and mm -hmm. one of my things you know from Gary V is make sure that you respond to every single comment but then if I make daily videos that's at least 40 <laughs> or 50 people that I need to comment back on right so I really had to adjust my style of 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 um, supporting others to support me so generally for me I don't go to the subscription page because I used to go to the subscription page and then okay who has a new video and then comment on their video right mm -hmm. but but nowadays I will, like, if I come out with a new video, you comment on mine, I'll go to my studio. And then from there, I'll double click on your name. If you have a new video, then I'll comment on yours because you commented on mine. And then that's how I've been picking, pick, quote unquote, picking and choosing who I comment on because I, I, I literally don't have time to go to the subscription page especially with daily videos and with that calendar club challenge, right? Because I was backed up for like three, two or three days and it took me a long time to kind of catch up with the comments. But generally speaking, that's how I've been 
commenting on other people's is just going on my own my own comment section and then finding it their channels and then making sure that if they're supporting me then i'm supporting them back yeah and i think i think a lot of that like you said with lack of time you know i i had a lot of it at the start and then you start supporting so many people that can't keep branching out um <clears throat> it's just impossible um it's just not a thing like i i can't keep reaching out to new people because i have so many people i'm already doing it to and sure some people stopped even though i'm still supporting them or i stopped supporting them for a bit and they immediately stopped reporting reporting um supporting me because i was just not commenting on their videos for like a week which is a little disheartening because i was trying my best for a while and then like you know one week goes by and uh both sides don't support each other and then it's like exactly. well i get i understand what this relationship is at this point but yeah. i personally am really trying to just help people out as well as get something in return i mean like i'm i'm not crazy as to say that it is helping me grow on the on the platform but i know that if i'm helping helping other ugh, helping other people grow that that's really my thing if anybody for some reason blows up because of my extra support I'd be beyond happy for that. Uh, my All my videos are really tailored towards helping people out. That's why I kind of am so candid about these topics because I feel like I'm okay with what I'm doing. I have no issue with it. I know on pre previous channels that I've run, you know, here's an example of something that I wasn't okay with. Uh, I did a shout out Sunday series or shout out Saturday series. And I'd comment on a lot of people's channels and be like, I'll give you a shout out. You comment like and support my channel, whatever. That was a really bad trend in like 2016. Um, and I hopped on it and it worked. And then I called myself out in a video because I was like, yeah, I'm doing this. I'm sorry. I, I literally made a video called like I, I put my channel name and then put exposed for myself. because so I was like, yeah. I'm not OK with this anymore. And at that point, you know, I think I realized that being candid on the platform, you know, people appreciated the video. Uh, some people didn't like it. But then a lot of people were like, well, I like your personality. I like that you were open enough to say something about it without needing to be called out. You just did it to yourself. And, um, you know, when we're doing stuff like this, we're, we're, I'm, we're trying to probably get across more than anything that we are trying to help you. And we understand that we will probably get support in return. But I know when Vince commented on my channel for the first time, I went, huh, I can help this guy out. That was nice of him. Because early yeah. on, it's just so hard to get comments and support yeah. and subscribers yeah yeah and i think it's like for me with my experience with youtube it's it's because you're commenting on small youtubers and supporting them and then you don't necessarily know if they're going to support you back or they might support you back at first but then it's as you said like it's kind of this relationship of if you support me i'll support you but then along the way you develop these like like deeper relationships with with certain mm -hmm. people right and for me it's a core you know like 30 40 people that i have a deeper relationship than the average comment me comment back like like me with you i feel like i have a deeper relationship with like kevin x conde i think i'm not sure if I'm pronouncing mm -hmm. it right kevin with, uh, uh dang kevin dang uh, i know dang Francis. in real life Right. Yeah. D Dang Francis, Purpose Driven, Fit Lab, uh -huh. like all yeah, of them. And all those people are all those people are great. And then we talk to them and it's cool. And exactly. that's that's probably what I'm trying to get across. The, the main takeaway is that it will then lead to great relationships regardless of whatever. 
Yeah, because and then you'll find like these gems of okay, like yo, we vibe together, and then next thing you know, we're texting each other back and forth, and you have this, I guess, more real relationship than it is to hey, good job, hey, nice video, right?、Mm-hmm. And you have this. Deeper relationship, and everyone's kind of on that growth path too, and it's all this energy, and then everyone's feeding off of each other, and just just everything, and it all kind of works out, and then and then, but then also you'll have people that you support for two or three months, and they support you back, but then you know someone gets busy, and then and then there's no supporting back, and then they kind of fall off, and I'm sure that you've noticed too, because something that I've been thinking about past couple days is.、Uh, There's, I mean, we've been doing this for about four months or so, I would say,、mm-hmm. right? Four, four or so months, and it's kind of a, you know, like who, who's going to be here in the long run? Because、yeah. you'll have spurts of one month, you know, there's going to be people like, yeah, yeah, YouTube, 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 right? And then I'm, I'm, they're posting X amount of days, they're commenting on everyone's comments, but then they're not there anymore from from four months ago. But then, so for、exactly. me, it puts into perspective of okay. Do this for the long run, okay? Like if you if you have to do what is sustainable, and I think we can caught up can get caught up into YouTube is a lot of work because yes, it is a lot of work, and really the the tasks to do is never ending. It it, it it you can get stuck in this in the abyss, right? Of like commenting on other people,、Completely. you can get exactly. So it's finding that cadence that works for you so that you can keep going in the longer term. Right, and、oh, I think、yeah. that's、mm-hmm. what's important, and yeah, it's just it's one of those things. You just gotta <laughs> find, find what works for you. Find what works、yeah. for you, right? Yeah, <laughs> it kind of、exactly. goes back to that、um, whole topic again. I talked with Trevor、uh, Hassel about this on the podcast.、Um, it's funny I recorded with him last week, but you know, this is gonna it's gonna come out in a month. God, this is hard to do. I'm telling you, people, you you don't understand how hard this is to do conceptually when you're. Uh, that far ahead on guests,、um, so Trevor will be probably in the previous video, maybe one more before that, whatever.、Uh, he talked about it with me too. Like there are so many people that he doesn't comment on anymore because they don't make videos anymore, and there's a lot of them that just come and go. And you know what? Is that a dead sub on the channel? Yeah, but we are going to be here for the long haul. I believe you are going to be. I know I am going to be, and because of those reasons, a video is going to pop off for us at some point, and then the social proof from all of the comments that we're getting and all the support that we show other people will really pay huge dividends. I think you and I both know that in the long term, there's going to be something good that will happen to our channels that won't require manual work、uh, outside of just making the videos, and I think we both know that you know other people that. Could have been doing this for four months. Could have been in the same spot as us. That that's exactly what I think about. It's funny because it's like if you, yeah, because it's like, and that's something that I, I guess one of the points that I, because I started my channel in January two thousand nineteen. I was on and off,、mm-hmm. and I saw the certain people grow. I'm like, oh shoot! It's like they grew because they put in the work, and then I didn't put in the work. So, like、grow. obviously I didn't grow, but. If you just keep up with it, I like because for me, my goal, one of my goals is to like let's let's all get there together, right? And then for、mm-hmm. the people that are like going, everyone that you just mentioned with like Kevin, Purpose Driven, Dang, we're all kind of going on that that route of like okay, let's let's all you know bounce ideas off each other, let's all take this motivation from each other because it's 
And that goes back to, you know, finding someone like a counterpart is it's reassuring when we're both growing at the same rate or like relatively, you know, growing within the same rate and we're, we're on the right path. Right. So it's, it's like, we just got to keep doing, it's literally just got to keep doing what you're doing. Right. Or then adjust a little bit, obviously, you know, like just to be better SEO thumbnails, whatever it is. But, uh, I think one of the, the most important factors is it's just, uh, you know, the consistency of the videos. Cause if you, if you make like a uh, weekly video, like if you make seven videos in a week, but then the next week you make zero, like what, like, like that's not going to help. You got to do it for, yeah, you got to have, you have to find a schedule that works for you. Cause you know, for you, for me, it's daily videos for you. It's, you know, you're making three, four videos a day, I uh, three, four videos a week. And that's what works for you. But you know, like Dang's making one to two videos a week and that's what works for him. But he's still putting in that work of mm-hmm. putting in that the video. And then, so he's slowly growing and he recently just hit 400 sub- subscribers. And when I first started with him, he was less than hundred, but he's still growing, growing, growing. And then you just gotta be, find that cadence that works for you. Yeah, exactly. And I, I had an epiphany on my run yesterday. I was like, oh, 1,000 subs isn't the final goal. You know, like, you know, I'm going to hit 1,300 soon when I'm recording this. And then um, by the time this is out, I'm sure it'll be close to 1,500, um, maybe more. And I'm just like, wait a second, that's another halfway to 1,000 again. And then it starts getting towards, you know, you get past five, you're going to hit 10 if you keep putting in the work. And then yeah. you hit 10 and you keep putting in the work, you're going to hit 100, et cetera, et cetera. But people don't realize that these guys have been doing YouTube for years. And sure, are there the cases where they hit like 10K really quick and then it takes them a little to get to 100? Yeah. But guys, I hate to hate to burst your bubble. It might take a while. But isn't that what you want? Like the, the end goal is what you want, right? You know that and the end goal is what I want personally, I think, or at least I want the opportunity for it to be what I want. Yeah. I think for the vast majority of content creators, especially new ones, you're not going to, you know, like get to that thousand or 10,000. It's not as easy as you think. And it, it, it's, it's a constant grind, right? It's like with besides, you know, what was that channel? D- Dad, how do I? he reached like a couple million subscribers within a few days, but that's very, very rare. Um, And I don't even necessarily know the formula of that, but for most people you have to, it's a grind and work and you just have to keep putting in that work. It's right. I mean, there are things that will surely help, but you know, one of the prerequisites it's, it's just hard work. Just you just have to put in the time. And 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 this is something that I've been thinking about is like, do you want to get there? Like, let's say, I mean, obviously it'd be nice if you made a video and next thing you know, you're at hundred K subscribers from zero, right? But if you grind your way to hundred K subscribers, you go through the process because mm. now to get to hundred K, you made a thousand videos. Whereas if you get to hundred K with two videos, you're not learning the intricacies of YouTube. You're not learning your camera, editing, all that. So for me, I I actually don't- hours. Yeah, exactly. That's why for me, I don't mind. I actually want to do it the hard way 
so that I'm grinding, so that I can understand the processes behind the of this whole journey right that's 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 yeah. super valuable of the, the skills itself whereas oh you make one video and next thing you know you blew up and well you don't even really understand how to make a thumbnail right so but then yeah if you've made ten thousand thumbnails you're gonna know how to make a thumbnail and 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 then obviously with you know if if we get big enough one day uh if we hire a team you understand what each team member is doing Right. So you exactly. And then, you know, the worth of, okay, like you edit how much time this should take. Exactly. Exactly. So you understand exactly. Yeah. And I think, um, the enjoyment of the struggle, uh, or the achievement past the struggle. I mean, when you hit a thousand, I'm sure you sat down for like five minutes and just went, yeah, (sighs) there we go. Like, yeah, here's the number that's, yeah, I don't have words for this. I'm, I'm just, yeah. That's just how it's, I react. I was like, uh, yeah, this is good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had kind of had that same reaction. I was like, okay, like it's, it's kind of like a load off, right? Cause you're like, okay, a thousand, maybe, maybe now I'm a little more serious of a YouTuber now that I had a thousand. Right. And then, yeah. but then you realize, oh, people are still growing and I got to keep going, keep trucking along. Do I really want to be that channel that grows to a thousand and then stops? Because I mean, that's not where it ends. No, right? never. So. it's never where it ends. So. Um, you know, let's talk about the last part here before, uh, before we end, it's a long one, but it's because it's, it's with my buddy because the other ones, I mean, I, I haven't had a double with anyone, so maybe that's why this is longer. Um, even though Trevor, I just had his, it was like an hour and 40, which is ridiculous. When I think about it, but you know, people like these for some reason. So, um, yeah. I guess I'm mildly I it, entertaining. I think it's a lot better than the first one because I learned so much from the first one. I am interrupting you way less in this one yeah and i think the sound quality is going to be better hopefully and my canon m50 is like at a, a good angle now so i think the production just from doing one for me it's it's going to be a lot better than the first it's killer one, so. it's going to be great yeah last thing is uh, mastering your workflow on youtube is interesting you know for me you know i talked about in the q a um <laughs> a bunch of people are like wait you made 700 videos before you made this channel i was like uh-huh like hate to burst your bubble, but like the reason you think my editing's decent is because I got paid to do it one and two. When I was a kid, half the stuff I did was make YouTube videos, and I made many failed channels. Like the fa- I always think about that as the example of like how many failures does a business ha- a business owner have before they make their success. And I'm hoping this is the success one. This is the first time I'm putting my actual name on it, which would be great if that was the case. You know, the other ones were like um, nicknames or whatever, and. For me, like mastering my workflow even happens just with the videos now because now I have the new iPhone and um, my video editing process. I used to have a checklist I used in Notion. It just pops into my head. I don't need the I don't need the checklist anymore. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, I, I you know you turned Notion on to me, and I actually use it quite often now. And it's good. A, it's a great for my checklist and especially like task list. I use it for everything actually like grocery list. I just have a list of like, and then I have like a YouTube section of, okay, these are the videos that I need that I want to make that are on my list to make. And then, so it's, I notion has been 
a really big help just to keep everything a little more organized because I used to put everything in like a note section, a sit like a, the Samsung notes, but then it's it gets kind of cluttered and you're kind of scrolling back and forth. But now with Notion, you have tabs. Okay, this is what I need to get. Like here are my goals, like life goals, financial goals, YouTube goals, and you kind of have a uh, it sectioned out for a little bit of everything. So. Notion has been like really, and the more I use it, it's like, oh dang, like wh wh why didn't I use this before? It's like one of those things, right? It's like, it's like why, like why was I so, like why was I just not using it? This is, and and it took me, cause you turned me on to Notion and it took me like a few weeks for me to like, oh, okay, let me, let me actually give this a try out. Cause I think sometimes uh, it's like, oh, I'm too busy. I don't have time, but if you and then invest, you use it and then it gives you more yeah time. exactly so it's like ah oh, like it's kind of that like that mind thing you know it's like just invest the time so that you can save time but it's going to take you time to invest the time in order yeah, to it's, make it's time great so i'm really glad you started using it though because you're like one of one of a few not a few people i feel like a fair amount of people have messaged me past that video and said thank god you made that video um and that we somehow bumped into each other uh greg talked to me about it a little bit a lot of people um have been using it and that's definitely been my most successful natural video um mm -hmm. when the, by the time this is out i'm sure it'll have like 1300 1400 views or something but it hits it hit a thousand just by virtue of seo um because i'm like ranked top yes. 10 or something in notion videos yeah um thank god uh you know i think it's got 300 ish views from just search over time whoa and then other stuff good. I'm sure it's been on some homepages and whatnot, but yeah, it says, mm -hmm. says like 300 YouTube search views. Pretty good. Is that, so that's your best video. Like what's your most, is that your most successful video so far? I would say it's got the most comments. It's got, the, it's, it has over 500 comments that has 170 Whoa, yeah. likes and lot, yeah. uh, like 1100 views right now. Yeah. yeah. Like one of my most successful videos to date so my my two best videos that i've had one is a jiu-jitsu video that i made mm -hmm. over a year ago it's a white belt like this was me uh like 10 things to know before you i don't know if it's 10 it was like six or six to ten of, of things that you should know before going into your first jiu-jitsu class or something like that and that video has it only has 12 likes but it has over five thousand views and the watch mm -hmm. time is insane it's actually every month it's my top three watch time that's crazy that gives me so it, the searchability factor is like really there and um it always i always get like these random comments but it's like it's also like less than 10 comments but it's just that the searchability factor yeah. and my other most video is uh the run 10 miles a day for 30 days so that one has about four thousand views mm -hmm. so yeah it, I guess, and then I guess people search all the time, run 10 miles a day. What? <laughs> so it's like, oh, like I didn't even know. I kind of just did the video without doing SEO stuff. And so I, yeah, just a reminder to focus on SEO and actually plan out my topics. But yeah, I'm trying to figure that out more and more. Yeah. I planned like all my normal videos for the semester. I have a multiple productivity app videos planned, which hopefully will do similarly to the, the notion video over time. I think my mm -hmm. goal is to have logs be more recent topics. And then like my formal videos be more long-term evergreen videos and yeah. then podcasts happen. And hopefully by the time I'm posting this, I will have done a live stream. Um, trying to do that study with me, productive with me live stream. I've been talking about for a while Yeah, because yeah. if I just am sitting down editing a video or something, 
I will not look up from my screen for a while. I get very into the flow when I'm editing. So the goal would be Pomodoro technique that, you know, um, put some very smooth coffeehouse jazz, uh, uncopyrighted, obviously, <laughs> on the stream. I'll have a timer that says 20 minutes. Pomodoro will start, and then it'll switch to five minutes for me to answer questions from the chat. Oh, yeah. Smart. Because that's the best way to work, 20 minutes on, five minutes off. And then by the time the session is over of like two hours is when you should take a huge break, um, like a 30-minute to an hour break. So then I'd just be done. Yeah, there you go. You gotta I think that's a good idea. As much as it sounds dumb, I think it's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to try it out. You got to try it out and then see how it works. And then, like, what if it, you know, it really works, right? So, and then yeah. experimenting is one of the keys as well. <laughs> oh, it's works. huge. I know you experiment all the time. You yeah. dropped. Uh, dude, I totally forgot. You asked me to do an answer how to how to run 5Ks faster thing, and I just blanked on it. Oh, Yeah. Well, you were so busy with the calendar club, you probably forgot too, right? Yeah, I forgot. I think I have, because I, for me, I screenshot all my questions that people ask me, and I've literally been backed up. There's like 30 questions. I'm like, ugh, because then I made a few videos that didn't have any Q&A, um, and then so that backed me up even more, and then so, but the next week or so, I should be getting to those, but yeah, that's a good, how, how do you get faster in a 5K? Someone asked me, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just ask Savichi, because I, I, I mean, for me, it's like, that's not my, I'm not even yeah. like, yeah, you know, so that's like not my, in my wheelhouse. Yeah. It's, it's in, hard. I mean, running fast is, it's painful. So yeah. <laughs> Except the pain. That's the first thing. Except the pain. Like you're going to be dying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad we weren't dying through this podcast for, we're almost at an hour and 50. So I'm, I'm going to just host this. I'm going to be a host and cut it after I ask yeah. you one last thing. Life's yep. still good during the beer thing. Well, I still good. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's given me time to do the challenge. Actually, I would not have been able to do the challenge. Oh, you would have been done. With, you, yeah, how would you there's have done no it? way. There's no way. And because at, at one point I was also, because I'm studying for my real estate licensing exam. Um, that's in early September. I was studying like till mid-month or like even to like the 20th. But then I couldn't imagine, I didn't study for the, the last like seven days because I was mm. just running. Right. So it was like, oh, like I'm glad that I took that time, had that time off so that it was literally eat, run, ice, sleep. And it was like repeat, repeat, repeat. And then, um, but, you know, it's given me the time to focus, you know, again, more on YouTube and uh, for me to focus on studying for my real estate licensing exam. So everything's, everything's still pretty good. I mean, it's, yeah. it's the only thing that I... It's not even a complaint, really, because it's given me time to run. Is I haven't had time to go to jujitsu, right? Because jujitsu, it's you're you're up in someone's face, and you're sweating mm -hmm. on them. So it's like ah, like you know. And then I see I see my parents every few weeks, you know, like I visit them and everything like that. So it's like well, I I'm also yeah, I want to be super cautious as well, you know. And like like we don't generally go out to like restaurants and stuff like that, but it's just like I don't know, it's. Yeah, Being safe so, is fine about it, yeah. Yeah, but it's like, when am I gonna get get to go back to jujitsu like full time? But it's also like, yeah, it's just so many factors, you know. Do I? Other than that, it's been good. How about you? Yeah, living the dream. Uh, by the time this is out, I will be back at uh, whatever school is, um, you know, online classes and whatnot. So hopefully, I 
I rant about it at some point on the channel. That'll be funny. I, I think someone suggested to me to do a day in the life of a uh, master's student. And, you know, I think that'd be a good vlog. Yeah. Yeah. During online, during quarantine, like an online master's during quarantine. If I keyword that thing right, I think it'd do well. Yeah. <laughs> what quarantine to, what, in school will be a big deal. Yeah. What to expect in a master's program during quarantine or like, because yeah. there, there are people. I like that title. Because there are people still like obviously still applying to, for their master's program. So like for someone that's like going into their master's program for the first year, they're they did already take some master's classes during it when it all started. You you big brained me just now. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. smart guy. See why <laughs> I have him on the podcast, people. This is why yeah. I have him on the podcast. All right, man. Thanks for being on. I really appreciate it. And that would be. And with that being said. I'll see you guys in the next one.